episode of The Ride is brought to you by Purina. The PhD equine nutritionists at Purina Animal Nutrition tackle problems using science, and their love of horses keeps them at it until they get it right. Even with the most established feeds, they keep innovating. Even when it takes years of research, they don't stop until it's right. They're dedicated to the scientific method, but it can't capture the feeling of seeing a horse reach their full potential. It takes science and love to help your horse live their best life. Put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Ride. This is Jillian. I'm here with my co-host Nicole and today we're sitting down with Brandy Phillips who is a professional trick riding performer and a coach. So Brandy, thank you so much for being with us today. You know, I'm going to let you kind of go into detail about what you do because it's just so fascinating and yeah, so if you could just tell us a little bit about your trick riding career. Yeah, thank you for one having me on here. So I am a professional trick rider and trick roper slash you know western performer kind of done a little of whip cracking and any you know any and everything i have done it since i was 12 years old i started out with a group called riata ranch out of california and then in 2016 i retired from the team and have since been doing more stuff on my own and teaching as well so you mentioned you were at riata ranch which i think is a pretty famous, I mean, it has a huge history, right? Like it's not just trick riding. They do all sorts of stuff there. I think we've even maybe covered it in the travel section of our magazine, but how did you originally get into the horses? Were your family horse people or like, what was that first true love? I'm going to ride horses. So I actually don't remember my grandmother when I was young had a horse ranch and She talks about me going around the ranch and doing chores with her. I don't really remember it. But and then when she sold the ranch because my grandfather was sick, I really wasn't around. I wasn't raised. I wouldn't say I was raised around horses. I wasn't raised taking care of animals. I wasn't raised riding. But my grandma, every once in a while, as I got older, would take me somewhere to ride. You know, she had one of her best friends. Her name was Connie. She taught me most of my early on riding, uh, which was actually English. and. So any contact I had was just on and off that way. My mother was actually a trick rider at Riata Ranch as well, but I did not grow up, you know, with her doing that. So when I was 12, my younger sister was actually supposed to be doing riding lessons out there. And because my mom had already paid her tuition and she had to leave for the summer, Jennifer had approached me one day out at the ranch and asked if I wanted to you know, finish her summer out. And I said, okay, well, yeah, I have a riding background though. I don't really want to ride, you know, with the little kids. And she's like, no, come out Tuesdays and Thursdays. We do the trick riding, just come out and try it out. And the first day I went out there, they had this, he, this horse named Tomahawk. He was a little white Appaloosa. He happened to be blind, but they still used him for training on a lunge line. And she's explaining to me, she's got this horse out there and all the girls lined up. And she's explaining to me how to vault. And I just ran up beside this horse and vaulted on. And then I never left. (laughs) It just kind of accidentally happened. So, okay, you talk about just like going up to this horse and vaulting on it. 
I would assume there has to be some kind of athletic ability that comes with us. I can't imagine just anybody being able to get up to a horse and just kind of jump on. Did you do any other kind of like, did you do gymnastics or or anything that kind of prepared you for this? Or was it really just a moment where you were like, I'm just going to get on this horse? You know, I, my, all my siblings were athletes, played sports, every sport you can think of, they all played. I played some softball. I was average and but I did it mostly because it was something I did with my dad when we went out to Riata I'd never tried trick riding I never thought about trying trick riding and I'm sure Jennifer Jennifer loves to tell this story but she I, I literally did she explained to me how to do it and I just vaulted on and then trick riding became an absolute passion of mine it was something I was good at right off the bat not that I didn't have to work for it but I found that I had a natural ability to do it even as tall I'm tall for a trick rider even as tall as I am it just was something I finally found that was for me and it wasn't I wasn't going to my sister's you know sporting events anymore they were starting to come to my shows and you know I found it was just my niche and it just ignited a passion and I actually didn't trick ride for probably a year and a half in a show, but I started out with the trick roping because I knew that's the fastest way I could get to performing and I could wear the really cool outfits. And that's, then I worked really hard at being a good trick roper. And then it developed into the trick riding as my skills got better. Could you explain a little bit just about the trick roping? I'm not super familiar. So I think some of our listeners might not be either. Absolutely. So the type of trick roping I do was first made famous by Will Rogers and we use a cotton trick rope and you just do different maneuvers, vertical, horizontal loops, you kick your legs over them. I mean, all these really, really cool maneuvers that are now, I mean, it's kind of a dying art. There's not a a ton of trick ropers because it's really, really hard to learn. At Riata, Jennifer has created a really cool, well, I believe Tom created it before Jennifer, but Jennifer really fine-tuned it. She created level tests at Riata, and so you had to learn each skill without messing your rope up, and you got tested on it. Well, then it added that little competitiveness with your peers, you know, the other students, so it kind of motivated you to learn to rope. So then by the time you get to where you're performing these rope tricks, you're really, really proficient at them. And you don't really lose your motivation because you're you're competing against your the other students and you want to be the first one to pass your test and have bragging rights. And, you know, if it hadn't been set up that way, I don't know that I would have learned to trick rope because the girls tease me because I was the trick rider and now I actually do more trick roping than I do trick riding right now. So the girls kind of laugh at me for that, but it's a really, really cool skill that I'm very privileged to have learned. And anyone that wants to try it, I say, try it because once you learn it, you'll, you're so happy that you, you can do it because it is a fun thing to do. Now you've talked a little bit about Riata and, and your history there for those that aren't familiar Do you want to kind of go into a little more detail about what it is? Because what I'm familiar with is that they've done trick riding, they do the trick roping, they do Roman riding, and then a little bit of everything else. I mean, it is a a very diverse ranch, but you guys have a trick riding troupe that is, is pretty popular across the country and maybe even the world. 
but can you kind of go into detail a little bit more about what Riata Ranch is and, and kind of how it became to be? Yeah, so Riata Ranch was originally started in 1957 by a man named Tommy Meyer, who was a calf roper, a horseman. He was a stuntman. He had a, he had a really, really cool background, and he actually got hurt where he couldn't compete anymore. You know, he blew, I think he blew his knee out. And, you know, back then they couldn't do what you can do now. And so he started this ranch where I think he was mostly just local parents that wanted their kids to learn to ride. He just took on all these students. Well, he was such a visionary and creative person. He basically taught all these aspects of ranch work and horsemanship. And it just kind of started growing to where, then he had horse show teams. I mean, they raced ostriches. They, I mean, they did anything and everything. And he just made them these really well-rounded hands. But he was also teaching them life lessons because he knew most of those kids were not going to go on to have rodeo careers or ranching careers. He was more concerned about creating better people and that teaching you skills that you would use down the road. And so fast forward he had all these horse show teams and junior rodeo teams. He decided to add trick riding. And so he started the trick riding team, which is where Jennifer originally first started. And she was on the four original girls. And that's where the trick riding team became then the forefront as horse show teams became expensive and showing in general became expensive. It kind of transitioned over to women and trick riding. And then since then, I mean, Riata's had hundreds and hundreds of girls and teams on the road and you name it, Riata Ranch has probably done it. You, any event around the world. I actually was listening to a podcast last night with Kansas Carradine, who I, I've gotten to perform with, but she's a generation above, above me. And listening to even her story that I already kind of knew, we all have this same experience, no matter what generation you were from, because the basis of Riata is about the, is about the life lesson stuff. It is about the what you're going to do after. And then it's really cool to hear that every person that's been through Riata has been able to take that and go, you know, some Riata girls are in the fashion industry. I mean, you, it's it's so there's so many aspects to it. It's so hard to package it up into one. But that's, I think, what makes girls stay and makes you stay for so long. And, I, and I'm one of two girls from the original, my original generation that stuck with it and made a career out of it. And Jennifer actually took over after the founder passed away. And she actually was only supposed to fulfill a few contracts. And then she found herself with. 20 students and starting over. And I kind of was with Jennifer through her journey of taking that over and through four different ranches and bouncing around. And now Jennifer just bought, finally bought Riata Ranch a home and has rebuilt the entire program since I've been with her and is doing really, really well now. And is really, I think Tom would be very proud of her taking something and continuing on with his vision. Well, and like you had said, with the it's a team kind of environment, and you don't really get that as much in the horse industry as as you would if you were playing soccer or softball or basketball or whatever. And, and so I imagine that it's really cool having that team 
the atmosphere and then also knowing there are so many girls and women out there who have been part of this team and it's like you kind of have your own network that you can kind of network through and and meet people in so many different aspects of not even just western lifestyle and culture but like the entire industry like different industries and and all around the world yeah a hundred percent there there's I can't even tell you how many times you come across someone that's been in Riata that you don't, you know, obviously never met, but then get to talking to them and it's literally the same thing. And you're kind of, it's this big family and you always can go back to Riata. And that's another cool thing. A lot of us go back there and perform, you know, Jennifer will still call and say, Hey, I need you for something. I need you for this. It doesn't matter what generation you were in. You're always get to come home to Riata and there's always opportunity. And I think that's what differs Riata's experience as opposed to just going to learn to trick ride because Riata takes on the business aspect of it and the responsibility of owning everything and getting down the road. So you get to learn all that stuff without the responsibility of you actually having to do all that. And so then when you move on and you know, for me personally, I've already learned all those things. So as an adult, it wasn't, it's almost harder for me to get along with other adults my age. Cause there's a lot of people out there that don't know that stuff that I almost took for granted, you know, because I just assumed everybody learned that way. And so my trick riding experience is much different than someone who's maybe just started trick riding and going to rodeos and I think it just makes it so much more special because it's just, it's not about the trick riding. It's about everything else that came with it. It seems like they've certainly produced so many different, different kinds of, you know, young women that have, you know, just are able to take that experience and go so many different avenues of life, which is really, really a a really cool idea, you know, thinking that they, they have this, ba- they all have a similar background, but they all are applying it different ways. So when you were talking about, you know, the competing and, and the shows and things like that, is that something that you guys as a team compete and you travel or what is that part of it like? At Riata, we actually, when I was younger, Riata, Jennifer still had like junior, we do a Riata only horse show between all just Riata students. So we used to do stuff like that. But as far as like, going to rodeos we actually didn't do a lot of that when i was younger jennifer was kind of rebuilding after tom passed and so we would take three months to get ready to go to like an equine affair and as we got older jennifer ended up with these girls she used to get asked all the time if she helped troubled teens (laughs) and because she always had Myself and a, a couple other girls that all our parents happened to be going through some hardships. So it was like they kind of dropped us off with Jennifer and was like, please take our kids, do whatever with them. And Jennifer's like, well, where do you guys want to go? And so we made these goals of going to rodeos and we wanted to do a circuit finals and we wanted to do NFR. And Jennifer straight up told us, well, you're not good enough to go do those. So we're going to have to you're going to have to work really hard to do that. So in 2008, seven and eight is when we started doing pro rodeos. And I was about 17, 18 then. And within a year, we had our first California circuit finals rodeo. And so it was pretty cool because even though as kids, we were all going through these things with our families, like that kept us so focused and gave us a goal and going down the road and doing things to where then Riata, this generation of rodeo got to see a new 
era of Riata trick riding that hadn't been around in a while. And because back in the 80s, when NFR first went to Vegas, Riata did the openings and my mom trick rode there. And so Riata has such a history in so many different area aspects of horse, even equine affairs and equitanas and, you know, rodeo that that's that team building and team going all together. Like it just made our experience that much more. Now, do you remember your first like pro rodeo event? Was there anything that kind of stood out? Like I made it like this is this is where I want to be kind of moment. Because I didn't really grow up in rodeo, I don't think I realized. So one of the bigger rodeos we got was Pendleton. And I was 17 the first time we did Pendleton. And, you know, the big grass. And I was on the perfect horse to be at that arena because Willie, he was this big, massive paint horse that loved to run. And you, I was always the first horse and wherever I pointed him, he'd run straight across that arena and just go as fast as he could. And, but I didn't realize what Pendleton was at that time. You know, now looking back, I'm like, wow, that was, that was pretty cool. And I didn't even realize the magnitude of it. It wasn't until later as I got older and more involved in rodeo, mostly because that's just what we got into doing. Now I look back and realize like, wow, that was actually pretty cool. Like we really did accomplish quite a, quite a few big things in a short period of time as a young team. And yeah, like I didn't even realize what we were doing until we were doing it. I couldn't imagine. I mean, Pendleton is, is just such an iconic, I mean, that green mile, like it's just an iconic rodeo to be able to, to perform there and then not even realize like I'm a part of like this, you know, super historical event that people from all over the world come to and wow. Yeah, I had no clue. I was green as I was green as that grass we were running across. <laughs> So as far as the horses that you're using, I mean, when, when you're like a kid first starting, did you use Riata's horses or like, do you have to eventually get your own? How does that work? No, Riata actually provides all the animals. You can't. Now she has some girls that will buy their own horses, which I, is better for Jennifer's feed bill. But Jenna, Riata provides all that for you, but Jennifer makes you train your horses. And at least we had to train ours and because she had a lot of green horses then. And it's still true that day. She She's at the end of the day, horsemanship is her number one priority when it comes to trick riding. She does not want you just running your horse around the ring and hanging off of them with it willy nilly. Like there's a, a long process that she makes you go through with your animal. So by the time your horse is finished, I mean, they're really broke and they're really safe and they will take care of you. And so you go through this system, everything at Riata has a system. So whether it's trick roping, trick riding, raking the lane, cleaning stalls, there's a system to everything that Riata does. And we do that with the horses as well. And so you start them as a team and then individually, she kind of pairs you up with which horses to ride but then she you have to ride all the horses though she says any horse anywhere anytime and you have to be able to ride every horse on that ranch and get something done so you she creates really well-rounded horsewomen as well and I still use that process today training you know trick riding horses and because you can't go just buy one you know even as big as the trick riding community is now 
you still probably want to buy something that, or you still want to get a horse that you made because you know what you can do and, and trust it. So I've gotten to ride really, really great horses. And, you know, I'm actually retiring my horse Apollo this year. I've had him for 10 years and they're just, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool relationship to have because they truly aren't, they can't depend on you to tell them what to do. You truly have to trust those horses to do their job while you're hanging upside down or jumping on and off. So when you're looking at prospect horses for trick riding, what, what is like your go-to requirements when you're trying to find a prospect? I would imagine it's probably a lot different than what I'm looking for in like a reigning horse. Like any horse, I say broke. <laughs> you want you want a horse that's been there, done that a little bit. You know, at least some, I say the best horses to go for are about seven to nine years old, just because most of them have been somewhere. But mostly horses that don't mind you being in their space is a lot better way to start. Although I feel like every horse I've had have not been that way and it's just turned out to be good trick riding horses. But in general... You got to have something very stout, you know, big boned that's going to withstand that because if you're hanging off the side of them, you know, it's not very comfortable and they've got to be able to you're hanging off this way. They got to be able to go the opposite way, you know, to brace for the weight. So honestly, it's just you kind of just I don't know, you just come across those horses and you'd actually be surprised what horses take to trick riding horses and what don't. But I'd say if you want a shorter training process, you've got to find one that's not afraid to be in your pocket a little bit and does not care about whatever side of their body you're on because they've got to be comfortable with it all. I can imagine. I, I never would have even thought about that. But I mean, yeah, you have to be able to like literally climb and flip all over them. Have you throughout your career had any horses that have really stood out to you, have really you know, kind of left a special place in your heart? I've had three really good horses. Cisco Kids Checks, he actually passed away last year at 25. He was my first trick riding horse. So he was like, you know, my first love. I was 12 and real. I love Cisco on everything. And, but my next horse, Willie, he was my challenge horse. He was a big, stout, sorrel and white paint that we got him. He was donated and he broke every cross tie in his barn, kicked a hole through the round pin. I mean, he was a really pissed off horse I'm going to be honest very mad and Jennifer she brought him home and just said we're just going to clean his stall and turn him out clean his stall and turn him out and then eventually he kind of softened and I don't know he just I don't know if being around kids you know she obviously isn't going to put us in a dangerous situation but there I think there was something about him being just left alone and kids coming in and out of his stall and being kind to him he softened and over time, somehow he became my horse and Jennifer tended to put me on the hotter, harder to manage personalities. And Willie was kind of that way. He would just, if he was uncomfortable about, uncomfortable about something, he would definitely let you know, but he was a big powerhouse. Like you couldn't rein that horse back, but he and I just got along so well. And he was such a big, soft kind-hearted horse that he just eventually was the quietest 
in the station. That's where the horses start out when we trick ride. You'll see them do their pattern and they go around the arena and come back. That's called our station. And Willie would just be dead quiet, eyes closed. And when then it was his turn, all of a sudden he just ignited and he'd just barrel around that arena and then come back and just be quiet. And like he... He, I loved him. He, he was my, I would say my heart horse. And then the next horse I got was Jesse and he was a little bay and white paint. Willie got really sour and needed a break. So Jennifer's like, we're not going to take him on the road. We're going to leave him home. You're going to ride Jesse. Well, at the time, Jesse, he wasn't going to hurt you, but he was kind of a runaway. You just, he just was running and you did your tricks. And I'm like, Okay, I guess I'll, okay, all right. So I'd stand up on him, and if I leaned too far forward, he'd kind of buck, but he was never dishonest about anything. And then, I don't know, eventually he just, him and I just clicked. We got each other, and then he was, he was the one that made me good. And he was the one at Reno Rodeo, like my memories of that feeling of hitting that arena knowing I was going to nail it. My horse took care of me. Like he, he's the one that made me a great trick rider. And then the horse I have now, Apollo, he's kind of not the greatest trick riding horse I've ever had, but he's the one that's been with me through some really trying times in the last seven years. And so he's like, he's my soul horse. Like he took care of me and, and took on things that I put on him because I was going through a hard time. And he, he's like the one that I don't care if I don't ever trick ride again, he's gonna, I will work so he can live in that pasture and eat and be taken care of. And so, yeah, I've had just these horses that all have impacted me in different ways. And yeah, I don't know what I would have done without without those horses because I've gone through some pretty hard things at home. And so each one of those horses were put in my life for a specific reason, I, I say, <laughs> you know, again, not about the trick riding. <laughs> it just happened to be what I was doing. Oh, my God. Absolutely. I, I can totally relate to that, though. Like when when you're going through some tough times, especially as a kid and you truly do not like fully understand what's going on. It's, you know, really comforting to know that you always had that horse to, to connect with because I mean, you just need it. Kind of going back to what you were talking about with your station and, and what you guys were doing in practice. Can you kind of break down how a trick riding practice would go about? I, you know, I, I obviously have seen trick riding at rodeos and at events and, and, you know, on TV, but I've, I've never fully gotten to see the training aspect of it. Can you kind of break down how a training run goes for you? Yeah, well, every every trick rider has their own, you know, way to go about things. Obviously, I learned at Riata, so I do everything the Riata way. We, again, do everything as a team. We train as a team and, you know, you're paired up with your horses and, you know, we'd start out with our warm ups and, you know, getting every yourself warmed up, horses warmed up. And then we do that same process of like we're in the show. A lot of the times we would spend time just doing our trick riding pattern, mostly to teach those horses to be quiet in the station because we don't want a lot of chaos. We want our horses to be very quiet. So sometimes we, some practices, depending on the horses, would be spent just doing that pattern, making sure every horse was leaving quiet in their left lead and then making a nice pattern. And then 
And then Jennifer would kind of develop into our tricks or a lot of the times we would do a lot of vaulting because vaulting is a very good basis for everything. And that's where you hit the ground and land back in the saddle. So we do a lot of a lot of vaulting. And and as far as when we're getting ready for a show, you know, then we would develop into our tricks. But a lot of it is just keeping our horses minds sound and just keeping them patterned well and knowing their job and making sure that we're doing right by them, not the other way around. Because Jennifer does not want a bunch of horses standing outside the gate, running people over. You know, she wants everything quiet and and good. So when you're getting ready for your tricks and getting in and out of your straps, it's safe. And so, and even building up to training one from the ground up, we start off on a lunge line and just teach the horse to keep moving while we start vaulting on and off, you know, and just keep, we try to keep everything to the horse's advantage, not necessarily our own. It's not about us. And then, you know, we develop our trick riding skills as on a fake horse, a vaulting barrel, and then, you know, develop then to the horse that way. And then you start doing the patterns with the tricks. So we break everything down, walk, trot, elope. And a lot of people actually don't do that. They just want them to really lope and just do the pattern. But we don't want that. I want it. My horse has got to be able to do a big arena and run fast. And then they've got to do a small arena and run slower sometimes. So that just, they start thinking about you and not just about, they're not running blind. So our practices are based around that. And just doing that over and over and over and over again, pretty much. I mean, I just love hearing about how the horsemanship that you develop, you know, working with these horses. But, you know, one thing that I've kind of always wondered about when you're performing is how much are you cueing the horse when you're performing? You know, are you just kind of doing your thing while you're up there and they know what they're supposed to be doing? Or how does that really work? You're ultimately working towards them knowing their job and being independent thinkers because they not only have to do be able to take care of that when you're trick riding, but they also have to be able to think through if something does go wrong and knowing where to be if that happens. So another advantage to the station is if I fall completely off or I'm hung up, the horse is always going to go back to the other horses no matter what. So that's a safety thing as well. And they do over time, you know, and I think it's just with anything when a horse knows their job and they're happy doing their job. I like to emphasize that a lot. They're happy doing it. They just Willie used to adjust his speed to what tricks I did, because in the shows we generally did, you know, I had our assigned tricks that Jennifer would assign us. And Willie, he would kind of go He'd go a slower, nice speed for Hippodrome because he knew I was just standing up. But then if I went into my full fender, he went as fast as he could and he adjusted for every trick. And you can't teach that, you know, you can't teach those things. They just over time develop that. But that's what you're working towards is they have to be independent thinkers and be there on you at all times. And a lot of a good example, a lot of my pictures on Apollo, my gray horse, he'll always have one ear turned on me because I'll, I might talk to him during a run, you know, if I need him to slow up or something. But you're kind of you have to just let them free. You have to trust your training in that process and they've got to do it. And you because you're thinking about trick riding, especially the kind of tricks I do where I'm doing a split the neck. I hit the ground and land backwards on the neck. I don't have time to think about what my horse is doing. So that's kind of the goal there. 
We've talked a lot about the training side for the horses, but what you're doing is insanely physical. And I imagine it takes a lot of training outside of just riding. Um, do you have like, are you working out all the time? Do you do a lot of, you know, any kind of tumbling or, or how do you kind of stay fit outside of just riding to do these kinds of stunts? I'm actually the worst person to ask because I do not like going to the gym or working out. <laughs> I The girls used to make so much fun of me for that. Well, with the training process, I honestly was able to stay physically fit mostly doing that. Not that I didn't need to do any extra, but we were so busy, you know, running beside and vaulting on and you're what you're using is your upper body and your core. So just by doing that and even just doing ranch work when you're moving hay or we're raking up the Jennifer made us rake everything. So the, every time you go to the barn, it's spick and span and it has a beautiful raking pattern. So that kind of stuff just kind of kept us physically fit. Now, as I've gotten older, you know, I've had to do a little bit extra, but in general, I also know my body and I know what I can withstand. So I just try not to eat terribly. And, you know, when I know I need to get ready for a show, I definitely like take a little bit better care. I go out in the arena and, and vault and just start retraining my body and doing a lot of muscle memory. So you should work out, but I don't. I love the honesty. I truly do. <laughs> I can very much relate to that. <laughs> um, you know, what? I've always actually wanted to maybe go to like a gymnastics gym and like train a little bit like a gymnast because that's so kind of cohesive with trick riding, I think, with the the strength and being able to have to hold things and body control. But it's really hard to find a gymnastics gym that will just let you come in and just not necessarily do gymnastics, but just like work out with them. <laughs> the fact that you're able to do and learn all of that, just, you know, at the barn and on a horse, that's crazy to me. I just would have thought that you would have learned that in a gym or something, but I mean, that that's so impressive that you learned all of those tricks, you know, on the horseback. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could take credit for that, but I, re it's really the way Jennifer Tr really trained us and you know I wish I could show you video of how it's done because if you if you watched one of our training sessions you would be like okay I I get it because she made us I mean she even made us do we had to do like horsemanship patterns but she'd be like okay you're gonna walk here pick up the trot then you're gonna get off run beside your horse and timing here and then you're gonna pick up the lope and do circles and then you're gonna do three vaults down this fence so she'd created these different things like that. So you're having to ride and you're having to trick ride. So you're building the foundation of your physical fitness, you're building your mental strength, and then your horses are also, it's challenging them to not just think about running, right? That's breaks down. So they're really cued into you, you're cued into them. And it's a really, it's a pretty incredible training program. And I, I really do think a lot of trick riders, whether you already know how to trick ride, would really benefit from the way she teaches all of us. That's fascinating. I, I love hearing that. It's almost, I mean, it's very similar to, you're, you're kind of riding and working out all at the same time. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of everything when you're doing that kind of stuff. So we've talked a lot about your, your time at Riata, but you mentioned at the beginning of our interview that you retired from them and then went out on your own. What was the deciding factor on that? And, and you know, where did your career take you post Riata Ranch? 
So my dad passed away in 2014 and I kind of struggled through the rest of that year dealing with that. And the next year, 2015, I kind of moseyed along and kind of felt okay until I don't, I guess maybe just not dealing, really dealing with it. Cause I actually, my dad passed away. And then two weeks later I was at a rodeo after cleaning his house out and you know, doing the service and I just kind of moved on and had to just go forward with life. And I just got so, I would say burnt out is probably what I felt. And and one thing about Riata is it's really not set up for your adults and, you know, as you're welcome to, but my life kind of was dedicated to Riata and wasn't really de- dedicated to what I was going to do after Riata. So I kind of was going through one this hard time with that. And then I was getting really burnt out on, okay, what am I doing for me? And, and that, and that is no dig at Riata whatsoever. It's just, it's a kid's program. And I was lucky enough to stay through that. But then it was kind of when I got to go, okay, what about me? What am I really doing? And so I, and Jennifer was just so supportive of it when I, 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 the girls are supposed to go to Oregon. And I told her, I said, I can't, I cannot get in the pickup, Jennifer. I, I, I said, I physically just makes me sick. I said, I cannot, I said, I think I need to go do something else. Like I'm not, I'm not okay is basically what I told her. And she, she absolutely was like, all right, what are you going to do? What's your plan? You know? And I said, well, I got this job offer in Arizona for Judy and Ozzy Gillum. And I had gone to work for them the winter before and they raised uh, driftwood team roping horses is mainly what they've done. And so I was going to go do something totally different. I was moving out of state and I was going to leave it. I packed up my car and left everything I know. And I went to Arizona and I, I think that's when looking back now, I really think God just was isolating me because he knew I was just, I was, I was white knuckling life at that point. And so I got put in Arizona. I don't really necessarily think for my career. And but over time, Judy and Ozzy were so great because I could be very open with them about what I was going through. Because there was some days where I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know what I I don't think I can do anything today, you know, and they would be like, "Okay, well, let's go. Let's go to town and look at the flea market, you know, just they were so awesome in helping me kind of navigate that and work and, you know, have a safe place. And I got to learn to team rope, which I loved to rope. And then I started, people started asking me, are you, well, would you come trick ride, you know, for us or, you know, and I was like, no, I'm done trick riding. I'm not going to do that anymore. Well, then I started getting lots of kids wanting to learn in Arizona. So, and I didn't have Apollo at the time. I left Apollo at Riata because Jennifer owned all the horses and he actually was really lame at the time and thought we had a career ending injury. And Jennifer gave him to me, which was pretty incredible thing to do. And so we got him sound enough And next thing you know, he doesn't even seem like anything's wrong with him. So I just started teaching. And then next thing I know, I got a rodeo and then I got a show and I just kind of developed back into it. And I just kind of started doing stuff on my own and on my own accord and figuring what that figuring that out, which is totally different than being on a team. 
and you know everything's on me and so I had to develop my show for one person and go I did more demos so I really loved having to show trick writing in a way people don't get to see and so post Riata that's kind of what my career is more developed into is showing the horsemanship aspect of it and I have done some rodeos and performances but most of my shows were that kind of stuff art of the cowgirl had me their first two years and which was they were so awesome and I had I got to take a green horse which is Judy and Ozzy's horse that you could rope on by start trick riding on her and I took her places and then during the pandemic I kind of got to where I was mentally better I was motivated to do stuff and I was like you know I kind of if I'm going to stay in trick riding if I'm going to stay roping I want to do it for me and I want to train my own horses and I want to do my own and Judy and Ozzy when I was talking to them about it they're like okay well where are you going to go next and I'm like I think I'm going to go to Texas. <laughs> so I, because I felt I could do everything here in Texas. And one of my good friends, Sadie, we'd always wanted to do things together. And she had always been in Texas. I was always in California or on the West Coast and we can never get together. And so Sadie was like, please move to Texas. I will help you get developed here. I got plans. And so during the pandemic, when all my shows got canceled, I packed up, moved out here to Texas, and I've been here ever since and have been for the first time in my adult life. Anything I do is now for me. Any shows I go do, like I'm not, I don't live at a ranch on someone else's ranch. And so that's kind of what my life is developed into and so now trick riding for me and performing is much different than what it was previously so I still I'm not gonna lie sometimes there's days where I could care less if I trick rode and then some days I miss it and there's I've given myself a lot of leeway to realize that trick riding when I was younger was a kind of a survival it was my motivating for life, whereas now trick riding is just because I love trick riding and it's developing into I can't really tell you. I'm not really going and beating down the pavement, especially Apollo's gonna retire this year. So I've gone more into teaching and doing I wanna do right by my horse and he's gotten to where he doesn't I think he's tired of it finally now. I mean he's eighteen years old or about eighteen. And so now trick riding, riding horses is just kind of whatever I want it to be at this point. And I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too. I want to enjoy it, but I don't want to be so tied to it or I don't want my life to depend on it. And so really uh, Riata and going to Arizona has just kind of helped me find my confidence as a person and, you know, having to deal with what life throws at you. That's kind of what it is now. And now I'm just involved in many different aspects of rodeo and the Western industry. And so Texas, I've been doing all kinds of different random, really random jobs and <laughs> random stuff and trick roping a lot more. That's really a fascinating story. I, I relate so much to the whole just getting burnt out on it. I showed very competitively as a kid. And, and by the time I was 18, I was just burnt out. And I was, I don't, I was like, you know what am I going to do with my life? You know, where is this going? And, you know, went to college, stepped away from the horses, did not want to get a horse related job, and then somehow ended up at horse and rider. And 
obviously I never left. So, but it introduced me to a new side of horse showing that I loved and, and a new discipline. And, and now it's just like that where it's, you do it because you love it. You don't do it because you feel like you have to, or you're, you're trying to prove anything or, or, you know, any of that, you just, you do it because you truly love it. You're in it because you care about horses. You're doing right by your horse, retiring him because you can feel that he's just not in it anymore. And I relate so much to that. So you said you're coaching a little bit. Is that, are you, are you coaching younger kids? Are you mentoring? Are you just kind of offering advice to people who are on the rodeo circuit? I have, um, right now I have two regular students who are beginners. And so, and Apollo loves kids. So I'm like, well, I don't want him just sitting out there because, you know, old horses don't do anything. They tend to all of a sudden get old, real old. And so I, Apollo's teaching them and he loves it. He doesn't have to go very fast and he has these little kids that give him treats and stuff. So I'm kind of, I'm ha- working with them. And then there's one other girl who already kind of trick rides and uh, she's come to me a few times and we mostly worked on her horse because she can physically, I mean, learning tricks for her isn't going to be hard, but her horse kind of was running out from underneath her. And so I kind of developed that same system that I learned at Riata with her horse. And now her and that horse are just so cohesive. And I actually don't love teaching beginners. It's hard for me to, and I hate to say that, but I do think there's special people that teach beginners and love to teach beginners. I feel like I'm more suited to teach, you know, intermediate to advanced riders, but it's really mostly, it's just so good for Apollo and I don't mind it at, at all. I'd rather teach them and them learn a good safe way and learn on a safe horse. And eventually I would love to have a few more horses, you know, if stuff does come up or, you know, so I can have a little string that people can learn on. But like, like I said, being out here by myself now and, and developing, you know, I've got to get my own place and, you know, do all the adult stuff. So it's very small, but it's still really rewarding and it keeps, and it keeps Apollo going really well and and it makes him happy. So if he's happy, I'm happy. I love that. I love that, you know, you're just living your best life. So Apollo can live his best life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a good trade. That's all all that matters. (laughs) The most important part. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking with us today. I mean, I learned so much. I think everything that you're doing is so fascinating. And I really just love love what you guys are doing. So do you have any, you know, like where our listeners can find you on social media or anything that you'd like to you know, give a shout out? Yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, Brandy Phillips. Mostly Instagram is probably a better place to follow me. Facebook, I have private mostly, you know, for family and close friends. But Instagram, I'm I post stuff on there. It's mostly horses and dogs <laughs> and trick riding. And then also my friends and I have a social media company called Calamity Media. You can follow us on that as well. Like we're always doing stuff and with our clients and then for everything that we do because Sadie is also a trick rider. So we get to do a lot of fun stuff. So you can follow our team on there. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. We're so excited that we could finally make this happen. I know we had a couple of, we, we were playing a tag for a little bit, trying to get this lined up, but I'm so happy that this all came together. And, and thank you again for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, 
please be sure to hit us up at horse and rider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.